Good morning. So good to see everybody here. Happy day to you. And, you know, we, we, we show this intro, and it's kind of a cool uh, look at kind of garden, you know, green, a lot of green. You know, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, this series. And, and I, I said at the very beginning, in order to know what the kingdom of heaven was really supposed to be like or what it is like, we kind of have to go back to the garden. So a lot of this is rooted in this garden imagery. You know, before sin entered into the world, because when Jesus is coming in, he's trying to restore things back to the way he wants them to be. Um, and I, I know you notice the cars out front, and, and I will disagree with Sam. I think all of them are really cool. You know, you said some of them are really cool. I'm just saying all of them are really cool. But if you look at those cars, that's the way cars were meant to be. I mean, I know the new Corvette's cool and all. But it just seems a little much, right? Okay, we get it. Your Corvette's cool. Okay, go back to the original. Some of these cars out here, that's like, that's the way it's supposed to be, you know? There's this, there's this idea of, of uh, you know, Americana that, that whenever things were kind of at their peak and it was good. So today, take pictures out there. There are some of them who even, I think, rent them out for photo exhibits and stuff. So if you have a photo session you want to do, support our members. That would be great. Uh, but that's our gift to you. We want you uh, to, you know, enjoy those vehicles. We don't have a nice banner. We have the cars, right? So happy Father's Day to you. Um, you can't take them or even drive them, I found out a little earlier. Um, <laughs> But I would like to start today with a little bit of advice, all right? Uh, it's the only, really, only time I'm going to talk about Father's Day. I know it's problematic. I don't really have a Father's Day sermon, but I do have five pieces of advice that I think will be very helpful. The very first one actually comes from my very own father. This is something he said to me a lot, for, forever, ever since I was 16 years old. He would basically tell me this every, every time uh, I, I saw him. He says, hey, how's your car doing? Have you changed your oil? right? So treat your car well. It may not be a horse. He said this to me. It may not be a horse, but if you feed it, care for it, change its oil. I don't know what that metaphor means. And bathe it. It will always get you where you need to go. Okay. That's good advice. Take care of your car. Here we go. Never trust an electrician with no eyebrows. (laughs) I don't know what that means. If you stir enough coconut oil into your kale when you're cooking it, it makes it much easier to scrape it into the trash. So, so that's a good <laughs> Father's Day advice. Here, this is a good one, and I've not tried this yet. Um, you'll be surprised at how quickly the employees at Home Depot and Lowe's who've been ignoring you for 20 minutes will um, start paying attention when you try and start one of the chainsaws. <laughs> All right. Finally, last piece of advice. This is a good one. If you ever get caught sleeping at work, or at church, which happens, I can see all of you, you know that. If you ever get caught sleeping at work, slowly raise your head and say, amen. (laughs) It works, it's pretty easy. All right, that's a freebie. Five free pieces of advice for all of you. Okay, so today we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 25. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven, so turn to Matthew 25. It's a lengthy story, so I'm gonna read it all. It's gonna be on the screen, but I would rather if you have the Bible in your hand, that would be a much uh, closer uh, view for you. Uh, This is a story that you're probably all familiar with. Um, And I think it's a story that gives us some good advice, but it's a lot more than advice. This is more of of a... I guess, a really clear peek into the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of heaven looks like. So Matthew 25 will be there in just a moment. Let's pray as we begin. And, uh, and pray for me also, and pray that, 
that, that God speaks this morning, uh, but more than, more than that, that we hear it, because I think God's speaking a lot. Just not sure how often we're ready to hear it. So this morning, I uh, pray that we have ears to hear. Heavenly Father, we uh, lift this, mom- this moment up. Lord, we ask that you would bless our people in this room. Lord, men, women, uh, old, young, rich, poor, whatever the distinctions that we put on ourselves, I pray that you would bless us. And I, I know that there are some people, Lord, in here who Father's Day is just difficult. That they may not have had a good image of a father. Uh, some of them may know that they need a lot to do a lot of work as being a better father. But I know that we all have those people in our life, Lord, who have fathered us well. And I pray that you would um, just help us to do likewise. In those moments when we would demand things for ourselves, help us, Lord, to give instead. In those moments whenever we could actually do something good and meaningful, uh, to invest in someone else, Lord. Help us to do that. Lord, I pray that in those moments when we would want to put ourselves first, that we don't, because we know that you've put us, Lord, first. Lord, you have honored us in ways that we never deserved. So today, Lord, we just celebrate you, Lord, for being our Heavenly Father, our Father who is, is, is always good and just and right. Father who is filled with love, compassion, and you will never fail us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll start with a story. In 1973, there was a man, and his name was Fred Smith. Now, Fred had a delivery business, and it was kind of nearing bankruptcy. Uh, gas, like today, had become really expensive. Um, he just needed about $25,000 to kind of keep his business going. That's all he needed. At the time, all he had in his uh, business banking account was $5,000. So he did what any self-respecting, you know, responsible business owner would do. He went straight to Vegas, right? Yeah, bet it all on a lengthy game of blackjack. He walked out of that place with $27,000. $27,000. Pretty impressive, but risky. 1973, that was really risky. Because in 1973, um, the inflation rates puts their $5,000 to our $32,000. And even though you walked out with $27,000, in today's rates, that would be around $178,000. So when he told his business partner... <laughs> I have enough to keep our business going now. The first question was, how did you do that? And uh, I think he was a little mortified that he found out that his business partner had risked their last $5,000 on a game of blackjack. But if he hadn't, then we wouldn't have the company Federal Express. FedEx, isn't that crazy? FedEx now, a multi-billion dollar company. One of the largest and most successful delivery businesses in the world. But it almost wasn't. Was it foolish to do? How many of you, and don't raise your hand because some of you probably have said, oh, I've done that. How many of you would be able to gamble $32,000 on a game of blackjack? Tell me after, because if you really are good, I'd really want to know how to, how to do that. <laughs> But this man was desperate. And sometimes I think desperation 
it kind of moves you to do things that aren't necessarily safe. It moves you to do things that are pretty risky. But sometimes in those moments, the outcome is well worth it. So today's story is all about the gifts and the resources that we have been given. What it looks like to risk them, what it looks like to play it safe. The story's powerful, but when you unpack it, there's, there's some lessons that I think we should all be able to benefit from. Uh, when you hear the word again, it's referring to the kingdom of heaven, because he just tells another story right before this one, talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And when you hear the word again, he's talking about again, the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's uh, go ahead and read through this. If you could follow along with me up in the booth, that would be great. Here we go, starting in verse 14 of chapter 25. It says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man with the, who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. The one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Here, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that whenever I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, each of these bags represented a talent. A talent is worth about 6,000 denarii. A denarii is what you pay a day laborer, just one day laborer, you know. So basically, he gave, um, if, if he gives you a talent, you've got 16 years of a modest salary. 16 years of a modest salary. It, it's quite an amount he's entrusting to his people. And what he did is he entrusted it to them because he believes in them he knew their ability he knew their potential in fact he gave it to each one of them according to their ability doesn't say anything about the master really it doesn't say anything about his temperament who he is you know we're just presented with a scenario 
What do you do when workers are suddenly given a lot of money to manage? What would you do? What would you do if you were given 16 years salary? Hey, here you go. 16 years salary. I'm sure many of you have thought about it and are probably going to be thinking about it the rest of this sermon. So um, this scenario is more than about just winning the lottery because we've all had those moments where we kind of stop and think, huh, what would we do if we won the lottery? This is more than that. This is, this is trust here because the master is, is giving them because he knows what they're capable of and he knows that they're capable of doing much more than simply managing resources. He's actually expecting them to do something with these resources. And at the end of the day, he's expecting some sort of a profit. That's, that's what he's expecting. Something to show for the money that they invested. So two of them did more than manage. They doubled their money. The third did the absolute, complete opposite. He put the gift out of his sight completely. Now in those days, whenever you left for a long journey, there wasn't really a lot of you know, accurate ways to communicate. You probably had servants that went back and forth. They didn't have FedEx they didn't have, you know, Pony Express back then. You might have had some ways that you could manage, but you had to trust the person to bring you money. So there wasn't a whole lot of communication that took place uh, in that time. And it does say that he was gone for a long time. We don't know exactly how long. But when it comes to 16 years of salary for one talent, so what is that, 86 years for five talents? The 86, 80 something, 80, I don't know. I'm not a math guy. That's why I'm a preacher. Um, how long does it take you to double your money? How long, does it, how long would it take you to double uh, $32,000? Okay, how long would it take you to double, oh man, can you imagine? 16 years of salary. How long would it take you to double that much? I mean, for Fred Davis, it took a game of blackjack, but he could have lost it all. The servants, they could have lost everything, but like Fred Davis, they didn't lose everything. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure they probably didn't double their money playing cards, but the risk was the same. And what's interesting is that the, sir, the third servant did absolutely nothing. And I don't know how long the master was gone, but that 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 talent that 6,000 denarii that money 16 years worth of salary was in the ground probably for a very long time stagnant still doing absolutely nothing for anyone and so when the third begins speaking you hear the excuse coming sir I know you're a hard man. This excuse is based on a faulty perception because his response is rooted in fear. In fear that if he uses his gifts incorrectly, then he's going to be punished. And what we see is what this statement says is that this, this servant obviously misunderstood the character and the nature of the master. Fear kept this servant from experiencing something great, experiencing a success. He was just afraid. 
And I think the master wasn't necessarily frustrated because he didn't, he didn't manage it well. He was frustrated because he didn't use his gift at all. And when I read the story, I'm always reminded of the fact, and I think I've even mentioned it in a past sermon before, that at that time, banks weren't always that trustworthy. Investments even more risky, just as they are today. And so one interesting note, something to remember, is that in that day and age, the physically conservative thing to do If you wanted to save your money, bury it. That's what you did. That was the safe play. That was the normal play. That was the play that was physically conservative. In fact, if you look and read stories, they're still digging up Roman coins all across the world that some poor soul way back when buried because he was trying to be safe and secure. And now some great lucky person is digging it up. Which, which leads me to this point right here. Jesus is telling his audience something very, very, um, I would say it's kind of hard to hear. It's hard to hear for me. He says this, when it comes to your gifts and resources that we have been given by our master, the safe choice is not always the right one. Which makes me believe the story is, is really not just about money. Yes, it is about the resources that we've been given. But it's about a little bit more than that. It's not just about money because we have each been given resources. We've each been given gifts by our master. And I'll tell you how. Get ready to walk through uh, Scripture real quick. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I guess it's based on our ability, right? And these gifts are for all who believe, all of those people who are servants of God, all of those people who have the Holy Spirit. Joel predicted this. I read this a few weeks ago. What, you know, he predicted what God would do whenever he unleashed the Spirit onto his people. Joel said it in the Old Testament, and Peter repeated it in Acts chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. We have each been given gifts. The young among us, the old among us. And just because you're young doesn't mean you're not fully ready to use your gifts yet. Doesn't mean that, you know, just because you're young doesn't mean you can't use your gifts till they're developed, okay? And just because you're older or retired or seasoned, I like that word better, just because you're seasoned doesn't mean you can stop using your gifts. If I hear I've done my time anymore, I'm just going to say, stop. You can't say that anymore. We've never done our time. Just because you're older doesn't mean you, ha- you can stop. You've got gifts to use. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, 
Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All of us have been given gifts. In fact, most of the time in New Testament, when you see this word you, like uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That word you is plural. Most of the time it's plural. We like, I know we're, we're Americans. We like to think a lot of this is about me. In fact, they, there's a Bible out there that actually puts your name, every time it says you, it puts your name in there. And that's not really right because majority of the time use use it's plural you or y'all maybe they should do that i just have a texan bible it's y'all right the plural you tells us that we have all been given gifts men women young old all of us who believe who have the spirit in us and we've all been given gifts that god expects us not to just simply keep safe, but to invest, to risk, to use. Again, in Ephesians 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, all of us, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We've all been given gifts so we can build up the church Invest in one another. Peter uh, tells us in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. These are the gifts from Paul. He also tells us that we should desire them. Um, I'm sorry, these are gifts straight from God. Paul tells us we should desire them. He tells all of us, and this is what I love. In the very beginning of, uh, I think it's Corinthians 14, He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It's not just about predicting the future. This is is speaking, speaking for God, sharing your faith, leading someone in a way to take them through the story of what God has done for us. Did you know the gifts and the resources we have, all of us have, are because God has given them especially to us. The gifts you have have, is because God gave them specially to you. Not just spiritual gifts, but your resources as well. He's giving them to you because He believes in your ability to do something with them. He's given you your family, your job, your children, your strengths, your friends, your insight. Your ability, I think, you know, how do you manage yourself? He's given your ability to play sports, the ability to crunch numbers, to think critically, to to empathize with someone. He's given you your ability to, to teach or to speak in a particular way that causes people to listen. Some of you, man, y'all tell a story, I'm all in. You know how to do that. That's a gift you have. God gave these things to you so that you could use them, so that you could invest them, multiply them, so that you could build up the body of Christ. 
Now, I know some of you don't have as many resources as others. I get that. But the fact that somebody else has more resources than you, that shouldn't limit you from thinking, well, there's not much I can do. Don't let someone else's success, and maybe you feel like you're not as much of a success, keep you from investing in the family of God and, and the ministry that God wants to do here in San Angelo. And I guess really it comes down to, do you see your resources as a gift from God or something I've earned so it's mine to do with as I want? See, this is what the kingdom of God is like. If you have this mind shift to think that everything you have comes from God, then now it's our responsibility. How are we going to use these to grow, to edify the body, to help ministry? So if you see them as resources from God, then the question is, are you using them or are you burying them? I know some of us have this incorrect perception of who, the, of, of who God is, this character and nature of God. And even, even with all the, the sermons on love and generosity and overwhelming grace and, and mercy, we still see Him as a hard man, hard being that if we don't do things just so, then he's going to just kick us out. If we don't use his, man, his uh, resources wisely, then he's just going to you know, make us pay the price. But that's not what's happening in the story. The third servant wasn't managing anything, y'all. He wasn't even doing anything. I even wonder if he had tried and lost it all, I, I doubt the master would have been up un, unhappy. He just wasn't doing anything. He played it safe and did nothing. He kept his gifts buried and played it safe for so long. Who knows how long? Because he was afraid. I'm here to tell you, sometimes the safe choice is not always the right one. So take a risk. Don't bury your resources and, and your gifts into yourself. Don't, you know, if you just are using everything for yourself, you're burying them. Burying them in your life, burying them in your house, you're just burying them because no one else is going to benefit from that. Don't bury your resources and gifts into your own life so that just, you can just grow your list of stuff. Be more intentional in that. Invest in your family. Invest in your children. Invest in your parents. Invest in someone else's kids, someone else's parents. Invest in one another. Invest in your church here. Take a risk, and I'm not telling you to go to Vegas like Fred Smith, but I am asking you to be ready to do something a little risky. Be ready to adapt or change. Be ready because we don't know when we're going to see our master again. He's put this in our hands. The world has changed. Our culture has changed. Are we willing to risk what we have been given here are we willing to risk this safe space so that we can help grow the kingdom and grow one another? Because as, collectively as a church, we also have to assess what God has given us and our resources. That's what the vision team has been doing this whole past year, figuring out what has God given all of us. I just tell you, we've got so many resources and gifts from this church. So my question is, are we using some and burying others? Let's use all of them. You know, our students are a gift. They got a voice. They got ideas. 
We shouldn't relegate them to the youth room. Talk with them. Just let them do some things. They have a voice. Their gifts are not irrelevant. Look at our retired folks. Man, talk about the gifts and this, the wisdom in this, play, in, in this space. I mean, just because they're retired doesn't mean their gifts are irrelevant anymore. Our college students are quite a gift. Let's go and welcome them. Go to them. Include them. And if we simply let campus ministry happen at the campus center and we're not really investing in that, what's the difference? How are we not burying that ministry into a building 100 yards away? Our men at Johnson Street have gifts. Our women at Johnson Street have gifts. And they've built up the body of Christ for so long. They're gifted in so many ways. Not all of them are teaching children. Are we collectively using our gifts and burying some others? Because to multiply our gifts and resources requires us to use them. That's what this story is all about. To risk, to be bold. My question is, what has God put under your care? What has God given you specifically? How are we using those gifts? How are you using those gifts to benefit others, to build them up? Because God's given each of you what you have according to your ability. So my encouragement is just be the people God knows you are. God believes you to be. Be the people God trusts you to be because he trusts you. Talk about the responsibility. And how exciting is that, that God's not saying, ah, fine, I'll give it to you. No, he's like, hey, here, this is yours. Have fun manage well go to town he trusts you he believes in you to use his resources and gifts so that now we can grow ourselves we can grow the body of christ we still have growing to do i love this church you guys do so much already but we still have some growing and ministry to do I know for some of us, we may not have thought about it this way. Some of us may be thinking, I don't really know what to do with what I have. Well, let's talk about that. That's a great conversation. Because I know for sure, if all we're doing is, is using our gifts even for just this place to do things in here, we might also be burying our gifts. Because most of you are out there 111 hours a week. And you all have a gift straight from God to do some amazing things, to see success, to even double the resources God has given you. So my encouragement is let's use it. Let's not bury it. And if you buried it, go get it. Let's, let's put it to work. We've got staff and elders who would love to have that conversation with you. You are gifted. Some of you may not even know what that is yet. Let's figure it out together. And let's just see how we can grow the kingdom through this small little place in West Texas. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I pray that you would help us to hear, help us to take stock of what we've been given. And I know some of us may not have managed well up to this point. Lord, help us to repent of that, to do better. But also, Lord, there's we we can't do all of this on our own so we just trust that you would help us guide us with your holy spirit lead us to places where we can 
be the most benefit. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who would put others before ourselves. Help us not to grow fat off of our own things, but help us to begin to figure out how to give, how to risk, and how to love through our gifts. Thank you for Jesus who risked everything so that we could find life. In Jesus' name, amen. There are men and women around the room, our elders, staff. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Let's sing together. Let's stand.